Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Like Michael was talking about with Duplos, my kids started building, and then I got annoyed that they weren't going fast enough, so I would take over. Kids are deeply inefficient, and I would build, and then, you know, they make It's called like parallel 16. play. Yeah, is it? Okay. Uh, and so they make them for 16 plus now. So I built a what, is that even, what does that mean? They're, they're, like, they're harder? Yes, way harder, Gary. You think about thousands okay. Yeah, it's, it's called a puzzle, bro. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in puzzles. No, I'm not interested in puzzles. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. It's a constant source of amusement to me, Chris Saliza, and the way he lives his life. I really enjoy that. All right, um, Michael is here, six feet one inches apart on Uncle Benny's table. For the gentleman in Ireland who wondered about that, I had an Uncle Benny. Um, my Actually, was my mother's uncle, so he was a great uncle or a grand uncle. I'm not sure which one that is. Uh, he was married to Adrian. He was in the music publishing business. When he died, he left money to my two cousins, not to me, because he didn't like my father. He didn't like my father. So everybody sort of got together, and they weren't going to give me any money, but they gave me the next best thing, which was the table, the monk's table. I think it's called a refractory table or a refractory table or something Correct. like that. And it's a beautiful, it's well over 100 years old. It's been varnished a couple of times. Beautiful grain. I will hand it down to my children. And, and the money that was spent by my cousin Shelly and my cousin Marilyn long, long, long ago, they don't have anything to show for that. And it wasn't much money anyway. I mean, it was, I think, I think it was $3,000. So by today's standards, maybe that was $25,000. I don't want to diminish that, but you spend it. Whereas I've got this table. I've still got it. It's like 50 years later, and I've still got the table. So but these I'm chairs are not original, right? No. These, uh, it, was, it, it comes with benches. The benches are in the house. It comes with benches. These chairs are completely different. No. So that is for the gentleman, Dermot, in Ireland, that he wanted to know about Uncle Benny's table, and that's it. Now, I want to talk about a few things. One is you got to stop sending liquor, or I'm going to end up on Skid Row, drunk out of my mind, drooling. Um, everybody sends in bourbons now because I mentioned that I enjoyed Angel's Envy and then I got too many Angel's Envy and I enjoy Woodford Reserve and I got too many Woodford Reserves. And now from Wayne Rumsey of the KO Distilling in Manassas, Virginia. And he goes, Tony, hope you enjoy the whiskey. Please share the distiller's reserve was hand-selected for you. I thought the 888 would appease your sense for numbers. These whiskeys are all made in Manassas using only Virginia grains. Sincerely, Wayne Rumsey of KO Distilling. And he says, P.S., don't drink more, drink better. And he sent me two bottles. And Describe I, the logo. The KO logo? Yeah. It's, it's just a big K and a big O, like well, no, Keith the, Oberman. The lo- on the side of the box, you have a, a bare knuckle box. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. One, one of tough the, guy whiskey. Yes. One of the <laughs> bottles is bare knuckle. And I'm going to, when my high school friends come out to play golf, in Delaware in a few weeks, I'm going to be bringing this out there to share with all of them. So, Wayne, thank you very, very much. But enough, enough, thank you, enough. Um, what else? Oh, so I was going through, I got a an L.L. Bean catalog. You're already open to a certain page. Is I'm, anything circled? Yes. Um, I will talk about this in a second. I'm open to page 49. And I wanted to talk about the notion, and Wilbon will be on in a while, and you now Wilbon hates all marketing people. 
which is an irrational, crazy hate. Makes no sense. Honestly, no sense whatsoever. But he likes to take voice to that particular opinion. If you are selling something, the first thing you have to do is have a good product. And the you know, I don't, I didn't go to business school, so I may be off on this, but it makes logical sense to me. You get your product, you understand what your product is, you make your product as good as you can, and then you target an audience. Yeah, I think you start with the audience. Before you have the product? I, I think so. For okay. this, you're trying to figure out what Well, you target the audience. If you're going to sell breakfast cereals, you're going to try and convince parents and children that this is a good idea. That's a very wide sell. You know, if you're selling gasoline, you convince drivers that this is a good idea. If you are L.L. Bean and you are selling, I don't want to say specialty clothing, but niche clothing. Tactical clothing. Niche clothing. You need to figure out your market. You need to figure out who you are selling to and you need to leave the rest of the people behind because they're not going to buy your stuff. So you smartly target an audience. What L.L. Bean does is every once in a while in their catalog, they say that some person has given them this quote, you know, and it's they usually list a town and a name like Billy, Billy G, usually you know, a little, from a little main seaport. Yeah. Billy G from Albuquerque or something like that. And it's undoubtedly made up. All of these things are undoubtedly made up. <laughs> On page 49, they're selling multi-sport pants and shorts, which are described as our most comfortable performance pants. Powerhouse, quick dry, four-way stretch fabric, feels great whether you're running the trails or around town. Pull-on elastic waistband with adjustable drawstring. Articulated knees. Art really? Articulated knees for freedom mm. of movement. Draw cords and cuffs let you create the perfect fit in a blend of recycled polyester and elastoral P with Serona. Imported. Imported usually means made in Bangladesh. That's what imported usually means. It's like when you talk to somebody at a credit company and you say, where are you? And they say offshore. Then you have to ask. And quite often it's the Philippines. So, so you have this lovely thing that describes these pants and articulated knees. And then there is this quote. And this is from Steve W. in Wallkill, New York. And I know where Wallkill, New York is. That's upstate New York. Now, maybe this is a true quote. I'm going with the supposition that it isn't. Here's the quote. These pants spark joy. I never want to take them off. I do everything in them. Rock climb, fish, mm -hmm. sleep, run. This is the most targeted yep. marketing experience in the world. <laughs> They're selling to people. This is what this guy does, and they want you to buy your articulated knees for rock climb, fish, sleep, and run. What do you think he I drives? I don't do any of those things. So he drives oh, a Subaru. 100%. I don't do any of these things. <laughs> so I am, I am foreclosed from ever buying these But these it's not pants. even if you do those things. Do you want to do those no. things? No. I don't I'm want saying, a rock climber fish. But as a buying fish. experience, do I want that to be what people think of me? I don't want people who rock climb and fish to then sleep in their pants <laughs> and then run in their pants. I don't want that. I'm going to get you into but the isn't car. But that, isn't that I'm an interesting you, marketing I'm gonna thing? I'm going to take you to the Tyson's L.O. Bean store because I just think I'm going to open your eyes to a I've, world of wonder. I've been to the L.O. Bean store in Rockville. It did, can't be any different. Did you different. try the climbing wall? No, I, I'm too old. I'm not allowed on the climbing wall. If I died... <laughs> Some would be happy and they'd inherit money, but I think there'd be a lawsuit. Let me just speak to one other thing that I wanted to talk to today. I watched um, I watched the Nats with much chagrin over the weekend. I was very upset yesterday. Strasburg, of course, 
the orchid has wilted. <laughs> you know, the orchid has wilted. He's on the DL. A very comfortable series split, which is all they seem to yeah, do. They don't care. And uh, watched terrible relief pitching. I'll get into that maybe with Barry's Verluga. But I also watched a lot of the golf tournament at Hilton Head. And I watched it because that's one of the longest standing annual golf events in America now. That's probably 40, 50 years old, the Hilton Head tournament. It's had different sponsors over the years. It's now RBC. But isn't that Royal Back of Canada? Yes. RBC? That's probably why you saw DJ playing. Yeah. And it didn't do very well. I actually, actually. had a great Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where did he end up? Uh, I mean, obviously not close to Stewie Stewie Sink, but right. he, he had a good Sunday. So Stuart Sink is out there, and he's not a young man by athletic standards. He's 47 years old. And the thing that I liked the most was he had his son, Reagan, on the bag. He's caddying. Reagan is caddying for his dad. They are talking. They consult. Stuart Sink is one of the slower players in the world because he's always consulting the yardage book and looking at the greens, you know, as they are described in the yardage book. And he and his son are going over things. But their relationship struck me as lovely, absolutely lovely, and made me think of how Lee Westwood has his fiance on the bag and Steve Stricker has his wife on the bag. And uh, there was a picture of Nick Faldo with his son, Matthew. Matthew was caddying for him in the last British Open that Nick Faldo ever played. Nick Faldo doesn't strike me as a sentimental guy, but he seemed to be sentimental over this. And I just thought how wonderful this was. I remember carrying for you once in a junior uh, at Columbia, and I never did. I did it once and never again. Yeah, I knocked it over number 12 green, and that's where the tournament ended. You know, so I was, you know, <laughs> I did it once, and you've always offered to carry the bag for me with your own bag, and I've taken carts or something like that. But the joy, I'll talk to Wilbon about this, the joy of having, you know, someone with you that you can so talk to did you watch it i did and the tournament was basically you'll do won. this with your son he had he had two 63s to open up the tournament yes which he is won a, it there which is a record 36 hole stretch i think at that particular tournament 16 under he won earlier this year in sort of their wraparound season he had not won i think since 12 years British open 12 years in 2009 so he's 47 it's it's totally understandable that he'd be on the back end of his career yeah looking forward to the champions tour most of his friends are already there he had a full-time caddy he thought it was just going to be a couple weeks with his kid who graduated last spring. And again, this this past year. From college, is, right? Yeah. He already, the kid had a job lined up. He was going to go work at it for Delta in some capacity. But the, the kid is a good player himself, I assume. Yes. Uh, and so it starts working out. He wins. If you look at where he is within the FedEx Cup positioning, there's no reason to think this kid's ever going to go get a different job. He's now going to be a full-time looper because there's something about the conversation between dad and son. And you wonder if that can translate to another player there was one moment i think it was saturday on the it back seemed nine. to make stewie so happy he was underneath a tree on a stick yes and they're going back and forth I, they're getting the angles because this this course is tree-lined and you have to try and you got a big hooks like it's, you know it's geometry yeah and he smashes it up by the green and saves par and you want to go is there something about the messaging here that's just putting him in a good frame of mind you saw it on 18 as he's trying to cut it down the left side four angles in and it's you know on the flip side you look at you look at Jordan Spieth, who looks so tortured, but somehow finds comfort in the conversations with that he Michael. has with Michael Greller yeah. as he talks about, you know, us, we, the team. Yeah. So it was, it was a lovely thing, a small thing, not something worthy of PTI or anything like that, but lovely and small. And I was very happy to see it. And he might make that, the Ryder Cup. That would be nice. Would, would he be allowed to take his boy to yeah. caddy? It's his caddy. Now, the, he has another son 
Right, there are two sons. He picked yes. this one to caddy. Maybe he's a better player. I mean, who knows how it works? Maybe the other one is tied up with school or something I like that. I believe that, that yeah, But it was, yeah, but it was, it was quite nice to see. And Stuart Sink had a very comfortable win. It never, unlike Matsuyama at the Masters, it was, there was never torture late or anything like that. It was always three, four, five shots. Yeah, his Sundays, if, if you read about it, his Sunday would be described as prevent defense. Yes, a I lot think of that's parts. fair to say. By the way, and credit also, if anybody watched this, what is Grillo's first name? Oh, I, um, Emilio? Okay, and where is he? For South America somewhere? I'm not sure. I can look it up for you. He had two putts. He had two $300,000 putts on 17 and 18. He was 10 feet away for par both times. If he misses either of these putts, Harold Varner gets second all by himself and probably makes about $800,000. And Grillo falls down to T3 and ends up with two hundred dollars or $300,000. So each of these putts was $200,000, $300,000, and he made them both. And you just think to yourself, wow, that is, that's clutch. That's clutch. We will get out of here now. Emiliano. Emiliano Grillo. And where's he from? I believe Argentina. Uh, Argentina, Chile? Not, not Chile. I thought it was Chile at one point, but maybe not. All right, and we will take a break, and uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the ZipRecruiter ad. I have not looked at this copy. I hope Nigel has looked at it and made sure it's correct. And I will start because it says host to say this. Good news for diehard MLB fans. You will be allowed to attend games this season where you sit in pods with your group. You already are. You know, it's just a question of how many people in each particular venue you already are. Uh, there are pods. There are pods in Nats Park, but it looks like they're getting very lax with these pods. It looks like a lot of people are sitting together. Sporting arenas aren't the only place that are slowly returning back to normal. Businesses everywhere are making the gradual shift towards normalcy, which means more hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. And right now you can try it for free only at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. Why are millions of businesses fans of ZipRecruiter? Because ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. First, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites in one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. No wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free only at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. See why companies go wild for ZipRecruiter when you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y, Tony, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And I will just add parenthetically, this is good copy. This is smart, good copy. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Jay Johnson. He writes that he's a Philadelphia-based singer-songwriter active with the psychedelic surf rock band The Pool Boys. Not The Proud Boys, The Pool Boys and the folk rock band Three Yards to Dover. Last year, you played my song My Eva by the Pool Boys ahead of our show at Gypsy Sally's in D.C. Thanks again. It was a fun show. I'd love to get back to D.C. to play once it's safe. This is a song called Lady of the Moon, right? That's right. Nigel, this is Lady of the Moon, and this is by Jay Johnson. This is not Three Yards to Dover. This is Lady of the Moon. It's the first single from In Nature. He said, I wrote and performed all the parts, and I was inspired by being blown away by the beauty of moonlight reflecting on a lake. He plays in Michael Wilbon, and before we get to Wilbon, I want you to hear this, Mike. Hey, Tony, this is Jake Hodesh from Cincinnati, the Pierre Cardin tie guy. 
I was in a meeting the other day. We're finishing an event space in Cincinnati, and my wife brought through a caterer, and she introduced me to her. The woman was delightful, and her name is Kim Wilbon. My brain exploded. They were talking and talking and talking and talking, and I was edging myself closer and closer, trying to butt in. There was no reason for me to linger, but I stood close, trying to stop the conversation. I had one question for this wonderful woman. Are you that Wilbon? That Wilbon? The answer was a resounding yes. Mike's cousin was standing before me. The connective <laughs> tissue was pulsating through the room. My brain was firing on all cinders. cylinders. I could not speak, so don't ask me any questions on the rest of the meeting. I was fixated on the Wilbonification of the day, on the connective tissue. Your cousin Kim, Cincinnati girl? Tony, um, I don't know. You have to remember that. You have a million about, cousins. Yeah, when you're talking about the last name Wilbon, I have first cousins in Washington, D.C. that I don't know from, from one <laughs> brother of my father's. So I, I don't deny this. I have no idea. Um, you, you know, people are just going to say, oh, he's, he, you're not serious. You don't know this. M my father was one of 20. So many talking people. About, we're talking so about many. rural, talking about rural Georgia, you know, uh, family, you know, not that long after Reconstruction. And when we go back to my, my grandfather was born in 1886. And so I, I, I have, I, I certainly have cousins. And we're not, we're talking about second or third cousins, not all that distant. Oh, I have no, no idea. That I have no idea. Okay. So, so I don't, I wouldn't doubt this at all, I, you know, but. Do I know specifically uh, Kim Wilbon? I mean, it's it's too early in the morning for me to like go to the recesses of my mind, but I'm sure she was. I'm sure she's like you know legit. We got you know, we yeah. got we got a posse, Tony. Just on my father's side, that's my father's family. My mother-in-law, before Cheryl and I, or after Cheryl and I got married, she did a family tree of mine, my family, tree, yeah. not hers, mine. And she, I mean, she went through records. She, she got it all together. Family tree is unbelievable. I have 66, 66 first cousins I can't know them all. on that side. Yeah, you can't, you can't know them That's all. First, it's not well, possible. I mean, I, you know, of the 66, I've got either, you know, great familiarity or passing familiarity with probably, I don't know, 60 of them. But wow. then when you talk about their children, wow. you talk about, you, 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 yeah. you're getting into stuff that, you know, I was once at the, at the Post uh, 35 years ago, a bit longer. There was a, a young woman. I was going to get a package at the front desk at the old 15th Street place. You and I worked for here forever. Yeah. And I get downstairs, and the woman, young woman, she's a messenger in D.C. Back in those bike days, remember, when you had so many yeah. messengers on bicycles? And she was a teenage teenager working, and she said, hi. Um, are you Mike Wilbon? And she hands me a package. I say, yes. She goes, it's good. I'm Sharon Wilbon, your first cousin. <laughs> wow. It was great. Wow. A great story. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was wow. a really, very cool story for me at the time. I was new to D.C. She had grown up here. I knew her her father, um, but I didn't know all. He, he, he's the only one who had a lot of kids. He had like six. So this this is not, you know, That's it's not wild. as out there as it sounds. All right. What did you do this weekend? What did you watch? What did you, what'd you partake in? I nothing? nothing. No, Didn't watch I, golf? I, this was a, this was a travel. I watched, I watched some golf. This is a no. travel weekend for me um, to go from Arizona to Chicago on Saturday and then Chicago uh, here to D.C. yesterday. And, um, and Tony, I'm on an athletic department, athletic director search. Oh, that's um, right, for Northwestern because Phillips yeah. left. 
Right, and so we had that Thursday, Friday. So, and I was just wiped out. I mean, I've never, okay. you know, been part of something like that before. It's fascinating. But I watched, seriously, going back to Thursday, I watched nothing. I didn't even watch any NBA, which for me at this time of year is incredibly rare. I watched some golf a little bit. I had the golf on. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I didn't find it. I mean, Stuart Sink playing that well and winning at 47, I think. Yeah, 47. Um, that was that was interesting, but I, we were just know, talking about the fact that he had his kid on the bag, and I wondered if you if it saw that was great. So yes, I saw did it that. make you think of? Did it make you think? Because Matthew is going to start playing in junior tournaments, I'm sure. And did it make you think that you might get on his bag, or that you might ask him carry my bag? I'm going to play. I want you to carry my bag. No, I know neither one of those things would happen. I was no? fascinated by it because of the dynamic, and yeah. because you know, you know, I mean, Matthew. You know, he, he 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 hits it. He doesn't. I, you know, I've, I've asked you about that. When did Michael start playing for real? When and you said about now, about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. I mean, we'll see with with Matthew. But no, I w- I'm never going to carry his bag. That ain't going to happen. I, I <laughs> Tony, I've tried to envision it. You know, and we kill each other. We we would be so contentious at times over club selection. Maddie, hit the seven iron. Shut up, Dad, please. <laughs> would be the response. And, Didn't uh, it make and, you feel warm, though, the way yes. Stuart Sink and his kid? It was great. Yes, it did. It, it made me great. jealous that we, that, that would yes. never happen for me. Though both of us could be, you know, the only time, recently, last year, I watched Matthew uh, with a group that, um, you know, a group of kids his age, um, who were 12 last summer, I watched him on 16 hit on, on a part three, um, over water, over the bunker, the pin was in an incredible position. I'm standing, hoping he doesn't see me up on the range at the, right. on the on the green where I can see, and he has this beautiful high, floating shot, and he hits it to ten feet. Wow! And I just said, "Wow, that's pretty good." And, and he, I didn't want him to see me, but he saw me, and then I said, "You just got to make the putt. I'm going to leave now." <laughs> it's his first birdie. But it, you know, so that was a moment of pride. But no, it could never happen that we would either one of us would carry the bag for the other. Did you, have you ever done that for Michael? I did it once for Michael. Wow, I'm too great. old to do it now. I did it I'm once, and now. I complained bitterly the whole way, and he hated yeah, me for at least two years. <laughs> and I was just it was There's no way. No um, way. I so I thought maybe you would watch if you could, San Diego Dodgers. You know, yeah, like some I, of that. I paid attention to the extensive nature of the highlights. Yeah. Um, uh, Friday night, I I, I should have, you know, but Tony, it's the weirdest thing. You would love it. The West Coast is made for you. It's so funny. I, I tease you about being Mr. I-95. West Coast sports life is made for you because when you get, when I get, when I get done with PTI and we, we're done taping or doing live, whatever we got to do, it's basically 210 to 220 yeah. Yeah. local time. In the, in the spring, fall, summer. And in the summer, you can 20. play. You can go play. Tony, forget play. The, when, you, when, I, when I walk into my house, games are on at 4 o'clock in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, great. And I ain't talking that's about great. the Cubs playing at Wrigley. I'm talking right. about the Dodgers and the Sox. I mean, the, the, the Yanks and Sox, anybody. Yeah. They're on at 4. So, you know, you would think, that, but that works against me. I am never ready to watch at 4 and 4.30. Five oh, on a central game. I'm never ready to do that, and so I miss a lot of stuff. I, the ten o'clock, what are ten o'clock West Coast games here are seven there, and I'm even 
I'm whiffing on those. I'm getting started an hour later. I'm, I'm checking in for the first time at 8 o'clock at halftime or the fifth inning or whatever it is. That, you know, American League Baseball game, you know, it's the second inning. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me. So I miss Dodgers-Padres just because the time element. But I watched extensively highlights. Um, I'm going to get into it. They play again starting Thursday, four-game series starting Thursday. That's in L.A. Yeah, yeah, and that's 10.30. That's real man sports time right there. 10.30 p.m., house is quiet, unless Matthew's playing video games and he's screaming at some kid. Um, but I will, I will get into that. Those, I, I'm very familiar with what happened in the three games, but I did not watch them live. So because you're doing this, looking for an AD, you are immersed to a degree far greater than I as to what college sports are about. Yes. Liz Clark had a very interesting story yesterday about gymnastics teams, that they were folding the gymna- male gymnastics team mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And she said, you know, then a lot of this is about Title IX, but I'm not even going to talk about that part of it. She said there are only 12 colleges in America, five of which are in the Big Ten, that have men's gymnastics teams anymore. Yeah, yeah. Did you read any? I mean, like, so what no, do you no. do when you hire an AD? Do you say to the AD, you know, the only way to make money here is basketball and football? Or do you say, well, we're, we're Northwestern. We've got to have yeah. more sports. No, I think we have 19. But but I, I think they're packed 12 schools probably, like Stanford. Stanford, Stanford had to cut some sports. Uh, maybe they have 26 or something like that. Tony, this is way above the athletic director's decision making. The school has oh. the school has sports based on whether or not they can they can, they have the money to have them, not make money. No one's going to make money on gymnastics either one. No, it's, it's no revenue. No, no. So, so when the, when the athletic director comes in, <laughs> the athletic director has so whoever comes, whoever we hire, they're going to have nineteen sports, intercollegiate sports, nineteen, and that could become seventeen. You're talking right now about, Tony, people can't field teams. They can't pay for it. Not, not are they going to make money. They can't pay for it. You know, but Northwestern is a private school with a huge endowment. It's got Ivy League endowment. I just told you that Stanford cuts sports. Well, yeah, Stanford is number and one. Stanford, well, if it is not They're one, number one. Are they one? Is Stanford one? Well, in, I mean, in, what in, I would, when I say one... I would say that Stanford is the greatest combination of academics and yes, athletics in America. I, I agree to that. I right? Agree, but Stanford. They, yeah, but they can't, they just, they cut something. I, I wish I knew off the top of my head what Stanford had to cut. You, you can't have it. You can't have it. People, Tony, people have cut baseball. Tony, track and field. We yes. don't have that anymore. So, so one of the points Liz makes is that she understands that these things cost a lot of money, but she says at the same time, Schools are paying their football coaches eight, nine, and ten million dollars a year, just the head coach. Yeah. And and gymnastics is supportable by seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which is nothing to a college. To a no. college. Well, it's something to a lot of schools increasingly, Tony. I mean, just but but yes, the point is her point is not just well taken, it's totally accurate. But yeah. the, the football program, Tony, if you got a, a division one power five conference program the football team doesn't just pay for football and that coach pays for, pays everything, for everything for every program yes i mean how, how many pro, i wonder and i don't know this i wonder how many programs make money off women's basketball so, uconn does five to ten has baylor now does stanford south carolina does, probably does south carolina but but Tony, you would be surprised too i might have an athletic director if somebody's listening call and say what are you nuts they don't they don't they don't make any money 
they can float enough to, to make it okay to have and sustain it. But no, so the athletic director doesn't make that. The person we're, the people we're talking to and the person we hire can't yeah. make that decision unless the fun, unless that person's fundraising is so prodigious that then you can, you can add something. And that's just finances. And yes, it is tied in part to Title IX, but you of know, course I, I don't it know is. how many places have, I don't know how many places have women's gymnastics. Title, Title IX, I mean, my position on Title IX is, is that, yes, it's very, very good, but football should be exempt because football takes up so many people yeah. that, you, that all these other sports go down the drain. There should be, well, I always you, thought that would be a fair compromise. I, Just, understand, you know. I understand that point. You're not, you, you are not alone in making it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- there, are, there are, I'm trying to think of other programs, some, some programs that have been cut. Oh, i tell you what has been added in a lot of places. Women's lacrosse. Yes, and I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to think absolutely that Northwestern has. A Your school is great that. at that. You've won a yeah, bunch of championships. Kelly Amani Hiller. I mean, we, we we have we've won we won seven championships, NCAA yeah. Division One championships in nine in ten years. Kelly did, and she's still our coach. And I think we're undefeated right now. And Tony, one of the reasons they added it, you talk about Title Nine, you're going to add twenty two. It's a lot of people. Twenty five women. That's right. And Tony, so schools like Florida, which ten years ago did not have women's lacrosse. And I know, now, now here's where I'm editorializing. These big schools, these big schools in the SEC and out west, and I, I, they looked at us and said, "Really, that egghead school wins championships? Yeah. We can, we can take them. Let's spend a million dollars today and get on that train." Now, I've never, I, I never really heard anybody admit it, but I know that's what I, I'm certain to some degree. In some of these places, I remember when we, we, Florida came just to observe. They came to the Final Four, which Northwestern was in. Let's say we're in with North Carolina, Duke, and Syracuse, because that could very well be, uh, have been a, the field that year. There were all of these 20, no, there were 16 and 17-year-olds, maybe some women at, at Florida, and they all had on blue and orange T-shirts that said, the Gators are coming with a lacrosse yeah. stick. Are, like yeah. a mob, like a mob of them, Tone, and just, you know, these athletic young women, the Gators are coming. And, and somebody, I said, what is this? And somebody said, well, Florida, you know, seeded this program. They've seeded it. They, they're recruiting. They have an army of young women coming because they're going to play lacrosse. And this, so, so there's a sport that was added, but there ain't a whole lot of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Liz's story is very worth reading for yeah, people. All right, I will, I'll talk to you later. All right, John. Sounds good. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Barry's Verluga will join us when we return, and I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Okay, this is the new Hera ad, and this week, Michael, this week we have to get this straight so I can hear better. I can hear with amplification. I don't want to be able to hear music from the moon i want to be able to hear when people talk to me but i do love pranking you by toggling over to the music function yeah which <laughs> makes me nuts hi i've got something new to share that will make tuning into the show even better i'm going to start using and they're right over here i they're underneath the jelly rings we have them they're right where by michael's right hand i'm going to start using the new hera iq buds 2 max the next generation of hearable technology that gives you the power to control and alter your soundscape we tried it once and I, I touched them and I got great amplification on the hearing, but then something happened. And then you double tap, double tap. And, I, and then I lost it, it. I lost it. I lost the whole thing. So I need to be 
instructed in the art of using these because I'm actually eager to use them. I can use them to listen to television too, right? You can. Okay, that's what I want to be able to do. I just don't want... That is part of your soundscape. Yeah, I... Love yeah, that term. Yeah, I don't want music from the moon suddenly going into my ears in the middle of the night because you think this is funny and you can do it. You're going to be blown away with the IQ Buds 2 Max. It's no wonder they were selected as one of Time's best inventions of 2020. Experience the world's most advanced hearing bud for yourself. Go to Nuhira, N-U-H-E-A-R-A, Nuhira.com to order today. Nuhira.com to experience the magic of IQ Buds 2 Max. Most people probably have pretty good hearing, but if you play in a rock and roll band, you can't hear anything by the time you're 30 years old. Like Pete Townsend has been deaf for 50 years. And as you get older and older like I, you know, your hearing goes away because I'm jamming in um, earbuds all the time to do radio and television. So I'm, I want to be able to use these. And by the way, they're not obtrusive at all. No. They're very small. Good fit. They sort of look like, you know, when you see people walking and they've got stuff in their ears, like it just looks like that. In fact, it's nicer than that. You know, that white thing that hangs down out of people's ears. Was that a phone cord or something? It's not a real cord. But they're always talking on the phone. I hate when people are walking for exercise and they're talking on the phone and you can listen to them. I don't want that. I just want these. I want to hear better. That's what I want. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. One more time. This is Jay Johnson. This is his band, Three Yards to Dover. This is a song called Elevates My Heart. Uh, this is the debut EP is Cherry Blossoms. We were just starting to gig around Philly when the lockdown hit and we can't get back. Can't wait to get back once it's safe. Elevate My Heart features James Bischoff, rhythm guitar, lead vocals, Jay Johnson, lead guitar, organ, vocal harmonies, Dave Darville, also from the Pool Boys, bass and backup vocals, and Ryan Jordan on drums. Michael, if people like Jay Johnson on his own or with his band Three Yards to Dover want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. And though our cherry cherry blossoms have passed yes you can check out uh, the johnny o offerings tk fools promo code get all the latest spring colors just to celebrate the arrival of the cicadas i'm wearing a beautiful pink yeah it matches the azalea front. yeah i'm yeah i'm wearing it today a johnny o thing for those of you not watching on tv i'm describing what i'm wearing barry's verluga <laughs> joins us now and and don't worry uh, i will in fact get to the Washington football team nicknames in a little bit because it's so great. The story is so great. But let us start with the agony of my life. The orchid has wilted. He's on the DL. What is going on with him and and the other one, Corbin? What's go? What, I'm being tortured by this. What's going on? Well, he's hurt, Tony. Uh, he's always yeah. hurt. Except when he's the World Series MVP. Um, that's that's and that's right. You know, and and that's that's a very fair comment because he delivered he delivered that and it was great. But he's been in the league for about ten years and he's got about eighty five victories. I mean, he's hurt all the time. Yeah, and this is the issue with him. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, when he pitches and he's healthy, he is among it's the great. best in the game. He is it's not great. consistently on the mound. And and I've written this before, and I might write it, might write it again. I mean. People talk about tools in baseball, tools for a pitcher. What are they? Velocity, command, you know, um, all of that stuff. But but availability is a tool. And and if you yes. can go out there every fifth day, um, whether you're Max Scherzer or not, that is that is 
a valuable, valuable, valuable commodity. Um, and Steven Strasberg right now and through over the course of his career um, hasn't been consistently available. So this, you know, I mean, this is inflammation in the right shoulder. That could be anything from, you know, the 10 days that they put him on the IL to um, a precursor to much more dramatic things. This is year two of the seven-year deal that, that he signed. Um, and he missed makes- all of last season. He missed it all. Yeah, yeah, a couple innings last year, um, and that was carpal tunnel, tunnel syndrome, and that's where you get into you know your orchid thinking, um, which I have kind of pushed back on over the year. But I, I I understand the idea that it seems to be always something with him. Um, but the reason I push back on the kind of orchid characterization of it is um, he's not making these things up. It, it is it. So you can see and feel and sense the just complete and utter frustration with his own body. He has worked to, you know, build it in a way that would prevent this kind of thing, and he's not been able to prevent it. So um, if you're a Nationals fan, if you're the Nationals, um, and, and this is a, it's a big baseball story because they're a team that, that annually contends. They annually contend because they have front-line starting, starting pitching. pitching. And if they're frontline starting pitching, we haven't even gotten into Corbin, a $140 million deal and a 21 ERA at the moment. Um, if the starting f- pitching fails, then, then they're no longer a contender and they're an afterthought national. The thing you said at first is absolutely valid. Uh, both Corbin and Strasburg went into the bullpen. And as a result of that, because their bullpen isn't any good, but in a, in a contained period of time during the playoffs, they went in and they sacrificed and they won the World Series, and, and people should be eternally grateful. Me too. Me too. What I don't want to hear is that them going into the bullpen ruined their arms, because it's two years later, and I don't want to hear that, and I don't believe that even for a second. I believe that Corbin has significant pitching problems at the moment, but Strasburg's velocity was way down in his last start, like right around 90 miles an hour, and he was the overall number one draft pick because he could throw it you know, 95, 96 at that point. And as you say, when he's on, he's a great pitcher. But it's, I think this is going to be what happens for the rest of Kevin Durant's career. I think he's going to be in and out. I mean, I don't think you can sustain the injuries he's had and be counted on. And I don't think you can count on Steven Strasburg. I just don't. And I, you know, I don't think you do either. Well, I think, I, I, I don't think that there's evidence to suggest that um, you, you can't stand here in 2021, look back on. 11 years of this guy's career and say, oh, you can mark him down for 30 starts and 200 innings. The evidence does not support that no. at, at all. Um, I do think, and I also agree with you that, um, you know, any, any sort of blaming on the sacrifice of, of two Octobers ago, um, that's that you can't connect those dots at all. And those guys, they were all in on that plan. That plan was brilliant. It was executed. And it perfectly. worked. I mean, yes. it just, it worked. It covered up their deficiencies. These guys were, were total studs in roles that they, I mean, start with the, the wild card game that Strasburg came. You know, if, if they don't come back and win that wild card game, we're talking about this um, franchise as an annual disappointment. They did come back to win that wild card game. They did it in part because Strasburg came out of the pen. Um, and that started and set the tone for that whole October. Um, we're now, you know, whatever it is, 18 months removed from that October. And, um, the franchise is in a much more precarious spot because those two guys who did all that sacrificing right now are either not themselves if you're Corbin or maybe 
are themselves because you're Strasburg and you're hurt and you kind of, you know, yeah. you tend to be that annually. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I, here's another. I don't want to get too local, but I would say this. Uh, they've lost two relievers in the last two days. They've lost a starting pitcher, and God knows what they'll find if they investigate with Corbin. Is a pitching coach to blame for any of this? I mean, can I can I connect those dots and say what are they doing here? I'm I'm not there, Tony. This uh, okay. he's a new pitching coach, Jim Hickey. He has a long history um, with Joe Madden in Tampa Bay, where they developed you know everyone from. Um, you know, David, back in the David Price days, uh, and when they first became contenders there, he went with Madden um, for a couple of years in, in Chicago. He has a great reputation. I, I haven't been around him enough to, to listen to him because of COVID rules and there was no spring training to get to know people in that kind of way. But, I, you know, we're we're still in April and I'm not I'm not ready to point the finger at the at the pitching coach. But, you know, that doesn't mean um, ears won't be pricked for for the whole for the yeah. whole season. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm, the sky is falling around me all the time, so I for have sure. to find somebody to blame for something. Um, so I was playing golf yesterday with, among other people, well, with Courtney Fremming and Pete Creeden and Arch Campbell, the great Arch Campbell, and Arch was upset. Arch was very upset about the Masters. What he's upset about is that the chairman of Augusta National Golf Club is allowed to ask questions in Butler Cabin of the new champion. And I said, Arch, the Masters, they pretty much do what they want. I mean, you know, but it Not got me to much. thinking. Yeah. And, and you know, and I said, well, what, you know, he said, well, the question is, how do you feel about winning the Masters? I said, well, w what do you want to ask the guy? I mean, come on. I mean, it's a reasonable question. But he was bent out of shape about it. And I was trying to think. Most of these, most golf tournaments, most tennis tournaments, certainly baseball, football, basketball, these are private businesses. Um, they are owned by, you know, the they're owned by somebody and they're designed to make money. And yet you don't see, you know, like if, if you win the World Series, the owner of the team doesn't come down and ask questions of the manager. I mean, you just, you just don't do that. Is there anything else in sports like that, that the chairman of the, of the Masters, you know, does the interview? I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't think not of in other golf tournaments. It isn't. No, no. Uh, I can't think of that. You know, I mean, I would say that in, in the run-up interviews, you know, okay, Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy are coming in on Tuesday, and you're sitting in the in the press conference. They have yeah. a different, um, you know, Augusta National member introducing them. Um, they certainly, I, I believe, like at the U.S. Open, it's not unusual for a USGA official to say, Dustin, you know, how are you finding the course this week, and, and kick it off that way, and kind of an, as if we couldn't do that. Um, you know, uh, as, as members of the press sitting in the crowd, it is an awkward thing. And it, and it does, um, it does lead you to kind of fidget and say, can we get on with the regular um, questions? But I think if you're losing sleep over whether the Augusta national chairman is asking the opening question to the, the just newly crowned champion, um, you're going to be easily agitated by a lot of things. I explained, I explained, listen, this is a, this is a, a tournament that said for a couple of years, we're not going to have any sponsors. <laughs> don't right. worry about it. You don't have to support us. We'll be fine. And of course they were fine. Of course they were fine. They, it, and and it's, it's, the, it's, it's the best rated thing in golf. Well, everybody knows it. Everybody seems to like it, right? They like it. They, I mean, yes. And, and they, you, you said earlier, they pretty much do what they want. No, they absolutely yeah. do what they want when they yeah. want it. They, it. they dictate the terms. They hold... Um, as you said, I mean, they were in position when people were questioning their stances on things. 
to say, oh, uh, sponsors are bailing on us. That's fine. No commercials this year. We don't care. Right. Um, right. And, and they're, right. I mean, they, they set the rules, and I know this drives some people crazy, and, and I don't follow these rules. You know, you're supposed to call them patrons and not fans, and you're supposed to not mention how much the um, winner is going to receive in, in a dollar figure and um, all those silly rules that they, that they have that people kind of just bow down and, and you get the feeling is the masters the best run event I've ever been to. Yes, of course. It's, yeah. it's amazing. I love going every time, but there is a feeling of the overlords are among us and they're doing things because they can, and they know that people will, Bend over. If you if you say if an Augusta National member says do three somersaults and ten dunk, jumping jacks to get a seat at number twelve, you're going to do three somersaults and ten jump, jumping jacks to get a seat at number twelve. I mean, it's just they know their power. Um, it is real. They dictate the terms of the entire thing. And um, I can't think of another. You know, the NFL is all powerful. They they don't have the power over. Um, media and fans and and sponsors like uh, Augusta National does. And everybody would gladly go back. Gladly. For sure. Time after time after time. Let us get to the uh, WFT. It's so great when you watch the Red Zone and Scott Hansen says, let's go to the Washington football team. It's such a great nickname. It's accidentally great. Nobody was smart enough to know it would be this great. They didn't they make mistake after mistake after mistake, and they lucked into something terrific. And now they are offering to change the name to such things as Anchors and Armada and my favorite, the Demon Cats. Um, Demon Cats and I is my favorite, too. Demon Cats, and I explained because it's D.C., and then I said on television with Wilbon, I said, and what's so great about that is that they play their games in Maryland, their offices are in Virginia, and they never set foot in D.C., never, not once, not for even a minute. The monarchs. I thought we founded the country to get away from the monarchs and the royals <laughs> and the red hogs. The stupidest one by far is the Razorbacks. It's so idiotic. It's the University of Arkansas. You know, why not be the Blue Devils or the Longhorns? What did you... I'm amazed you have not written about this. I would have written five pieces about this already because <laughs> yeah, it's you know, so I, remarkably I, stupid. I think, I think I haven't written about it because I'm so confused. Like, like, and, and I will say this, Tony, like when they announced that they were changing the name, obviously that was a huge story and people have been oh, pushing yeah. for it for a long oh, sure. time. And, and I am with you. Like they, they, okay, we're going to be the Washington football team. And then they said, they're going to be the Washington football team for the season. And I thought, well, that seems crazy. And then it just, I, w I am surprised now in April, 2021, how nicely that name kind of settled in. And it, it doesn't yes. seem in a world in which we're exposed to um, English premier league soccer, where, you know, it's all Manchester city and um, you know, these kind of names that would ring strange over here. Well, now we, it's kind of part of our sports lexicon, and it sounds more familiar. And Washington football team doesn't sound as strange as it might have, um, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And then you cast it against Brigade and Rubies and Stupid. Swifts and Majors Stupid. and Icons. Yeah. And, I mean, and you're like, no, 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 Washington football team. Let's, let's, let's move this off the list of um, – things that we have to worry about as a, as a franchise, which is an inordinate and never ending list of things to worry about um, that spans from 
who's the franchise quarterback to which owner is suing the previous, you know, minority partners. Um, and, and let's just take the name and, and move it aside and say, when you give me a list that includes red hogs and wild hogs and aces <laughs> and ambassadors, uh, we, you've proven that there is no good alternative. We're going with Washington right. football team. Um, so uh, that, that I'm surprised that that's where I've kind of settled, but I think that's where I've kind of settled. Demon cats is so out of nowhere with this. It's just so insane. Demon cats. And I like wayfarers because that's the boys of summer. She's got your hair pulled back in those wayfarers on baby. Uh, It's just, it's an idiotic, stupid list that includes something called 32 FC. I don't know if that's a size. It might be a (laughs) pants size. I don't, it makes no sense. They got something, they've made every mistake you can make, and they landed accidentally on something good. The logo is wonderful. And just the football team. Why would you, whose idea is it to even float this nonsense? Right? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you could, if there were a cynic in the room, you might say that the <laughs> list was made up and, and so over the top absurd to so keep to WFT the point to keep WFT, right? Like nobody, yeah. there's not a, there is not a name on that absurd list that the fan base is going to rally behind and say, that's nope. the one. And, and, it, and right. if there was one, it might be warriors and you're not going to do warriors because people are going to say that's, you know, you're interested in the same. Well, right. But, but, but also, you know, that is a Native American kind of warrior. You've you got to make a clean break from Red Oh, right? yeah. And you can't. No, you're so right. There are actually there are college teams that are changing their name from Warriors because that's, the, you know, we're not doing that anymore. So um, I, I'm, I'm with you, I think. Uh, I mean, it's just funny to read the list. It just is. It's, it's high hilarity. Yeah, it's really and totally stupid. I'll get you out of here on one more thing, and it is local, but I'm amazed by this. I am amazed because I hearken back to John Thompson and Gary Williams and Lefty Drizel. I am amazed that a Georgetown player has transferred to Maryland and Maryland took that player. I'm amazed at this. Yeah, what do you think play. of this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that is, you know. This would have you... caused fistfights oh. between coaches. Fistfights. I'm serious. I mean, between Big John and, and Lefty, uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, just... But, you know, Tony, I mean, it, 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 does, it does kind of illustrate, and I think this is true not just locally but nationally, the, the edge that is taken off the college game at, at the moment. Um, you don't know, uh, you know, the best players don't stay long enough to get familiar with them in, in college over the arc of a career. Um, but the transfer stuff is so commonplace that, um, you know, you need a directory to see who's, oh, they've entered the transfer portal. I'd like to see the transfer portal. I imagine this kind of like other, you know, you, you go into this fifth dimension, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, now your body a, you're decomposes a, oh, yeah. and you show yeah. up in new Delhi. That's what you're happens. Like Goldblum in the fly. And you, you, yep. uh, you, you become, you more from a Hoya to a Terp. Um, but I, I think there's an edge loss that, that. Um, you know, the rivalries aren't as intense and, and uh, well-seeded as they once were because the players don't play in them over the, you know, by and large, don't play in them over the course of three and four years. Um, and then there's, there's kind of a, a loss of that edge um, between Georgetown and, and Maryland who, you know, were kind of 
rivals in that they're whatever they are, 10 miles apart, um, rivals that never played each other, uh, but were always fighting for the same kind of limelight, the same spotlight, the same attention. Um, with the edge gone, it com- becomes easier to slide a player from one of those schools to other to another one of those schools and not have it be a, a, a death fight between the coaches. Um, it just the whole sport is so watered down and, and, and not as fun as it used to be. I think this is, you know, one small kind of indication or symptom of that. I think you're totally right. I'm, I'm sort of longing for the old days where this, this would not have happened. A school president would have said, no, we're not doing that. They would have. Yeah. yeah said, and no. it would have been a big, no, no. and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have blinked an eye at the school president getting involved. Right. I mean, the, the, the feelings were, the feelings were that in, intense and they're just, they're, they're not as intense not just in whatever the administration or or the the coaching staffs, but but even in the in the fan base. I mean, you know, Georgetown got to you know had that great run to the Big East title, um, but I wouldn't say that you know once fans are presumably allowed back into Capital One Arena this this fall, you know, it's not like Patrick Ewing's going to have twenty thousand people in the place no. like like no. um, Big John did out in 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 Landover back in the day, and and. Well, Mark Turgeon got an extension, and, and I think there's an argument that he needed to get an extension. The Maryland fan base is not, you know, unified behind him um, in the way they were at times behind Gary. And, and, and it's also important to remember that they weren't always unified behind, behind Gary either. But there was depth of passion there, uh, even if you were like, well, Gary hasn't gotten it done before 2001 and 2. Um, it, it, was, it was real raw feeling um i just don't feel that anymore and that's that's disappointing because it's a sport i i I really used to love agreed agreed totally thanks barry thank you thank you appreciate it tony barry's verluga boys and girls we will take a break we will come back with email and jingle and i am tony kornheiser you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is the michelob ultra read In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle. And everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. you got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91 to 10. And even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra. 
95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. fantastic that's ian warrington and if we just played you that that would be enough but what if i told you he was an emergency room doc at sibley hospital i mean how talented is this guy right how talented this makes me want to open up the bare knuckle whiskey just yeah well we, you can take it home if you want because it's you know we got to share got to share you want to do the bethesda bagel ad please Yes, thank you, Mr. Tony. We got the bagel sandwiches today from Bethesda Bagels. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. So Nigel has given us lyrics today, and we'll see if anybody remembers these lyrics and remembers what the change in the lyrics. And it's, don't you worry about what's on your mind, oh my. I'm in no hurry, I can take my time, oh my. I'm going red and my tongue's getting tied. I'm off my head and my mouth's getting dry. I'm high, but I try, 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 oh my. And then let's spend some time together. Now I need you more than ever. Let's spend some time together now. That's Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And the name of the song is Let's Spend the Night Together. And when they were on the Ed Sullivan show in like 1963 or 64 or 65 or whenever it was, in order to get on the Ed Sullivan show, which was important at the time because the Beatles had been on the Ed Sullivan show and it, it had a tremendous boost to their career in the United States. Ed Sullivan said, no, 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 you can't say, let's spend the night together. And they made Mick Jagger with a huge eye roll say, let's spend some time together. It's just ridiculous. Right? I think I got that right. Thank you to our yes. guests today, Michael Wilbon and Barry's Verluga. Thank you to our sponsors, ZipRecruiter, Nuhira, and Michelob Ultra. Remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Marcus Spatafor, or Spatafori, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've been a long-time listener since the ESPN radio days. This is my first email because I had what I believe qualifies as a David Aldridge moment. On Saturday of the Masters weekend, I read an article that during the rain delay, Tony Finau was waiting in the caddy house at the Augusta National Golf Club when club member Jimmy Dunn handed his cell phone to Finau. Tom Brady was on FaceTime on the phone, which Michael can explain to you as a video conference, but on your phone. Tom Brady said, great playing to Finau and let him know that Brady was surprised the play was stopped because he said in the NFL, you don't stop when it rains. I realized that the Jimmy Dunn, the article identified as who was talking to Tom Brady on the cell phone before handing to Finau must have been the great Jimmy Dunn that I've heard you respectfully reference on your show many times. And I said to myself, I know that guy. Sadly, I do not know him like Dr. Tony does, but it was fun to recognize someone through the show. I just want to conclude by taking this opportunity to thank you for years of smart and clever entertainment and also the information on sports and life you provide. There are many days driving home from work when your show provided a lift to the day. It continues to be such a positive experience that I look forward to all the time, which is very nice. Rob Gatehouse, Vienna, Virginia until June, then on to Baghdad. To Baghdad, not Baghdad, Virginia, Baghdad. <laughs> and he writes, first time, long time, been a loyal listener for years, never have written in. Not even a pile on to Saliza, even though he and I grew up in the same part of Connecticut and I worked on Capitol Hill when he was reported there, so I'm sure our paths have crossed. Or even tell stories about La Cheeserie, despite the fact that my wife and I used to live around the corner from Calvert Woodley and were fans of that place long before your show made it DC's most famous wine shop cheese counter. 
Then on Monday's show, my David Aldridge moment, Sean Jackson of Gaithersburg, father of bracket winner Zach Jackson, is a dear friend from grad school. I thought, of course, I know that guy, but I had no idea he was a fellow little. It was thrilling to hear you read his email. I've followed you since the AM radio days. It gives me great joy to know that I've listened to this stupid show. While my job with the State Department has taken me and my family to Romania, Mexico, Germany, and Ethiopia, I've unknowingly been sharing this experience with Sean. I've always relied on you and the crew to keep me in touch with the D.C. area while I've been overseas, but I didn't know you were keeping me connected with old friends, too. Connective tissue, indeed. Sean and I share a love of cooking. Without having discussed it with him, I'm sure he is pro-mayo on grilled cheese. I would be interested in his thoughts on the ketchup and egg issue. I am pro-ketchup on eggs, but I prefer green salsa when available. From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. I think you can stop worrying about the day when ESPN will be done with you. Your next show, or your grandkids smarter than a javelina, is sure to be a smash. Maybe Wilbon can be your sidekick and respond to every question with a lack of surprise. From Tyler Tingley. My name is Tyler Tingley. All this javelina talk reminded me of something that happened to my old man. Years ago, he met his father-in-law in Texas for a four-day javelina hunting trip. During his four days, he didn't even see one. On the drive home on the I-10 highway, a javelina ran across the highway, and he was unable to get out of the way. It did massive damage to his wife's car, and he was stuck in Texas for another week while they fixed it. The best part of the story was that every day I would call him and not say a word and just start laughing at him. He would immediately hang up, and I would assume he would be angry. I don't know what this says about javelinas or if it says more about me as a son. From Steve Griffith in Raleigh, North Carolina. I found great amusement in Wilbon's story about encountering a javelina, also known as a peccary, P-E-C-C-A-R-Y. According to Arizona Game and Fish, javelina occasionally bite humans, but incidents of bites are almost always associated with people providing the javelina with food. Javelina can inflict a serious wound. Defensive javelina behavior may include charging, teeth clacking, or a barking, growling sound. My favorite part of the last sentence describing the javelina defensive behavior Behavior may include charging, teeth clacking, or a barking, growling sound. Shouldn't that description be on Wilbon's Wikipedia page? You might also be amused that a group of javelina are called a squadron. So tell Wilbon to get in formation. This reminds me of something that I saw yesterday when Colin Morikawa was taking a shot near a pond or a, a, just a patch of water on the Hilton Head Course Harbor Town. There was a sign behind him that said, do not feed or engage in any way the alligators. And there was an alligator not 10 feet from Colin Marikawa. You, you, you've got to get out of the way. Michael, talk about the ones at Oldfield, how you, this 20 miles away well, from Hilton. And you see they get bigger and bigger every year. But Giants. No, they, they really, they leave you alone unless you try and get close to them. Yeah, don't don't go near them. But I think yeah. those signs are up because so many people are there for vacation. And they, they want to feed that, them. They want to get that selfie. They want to they want to give them like popcorn. And you know what happens? You lose your leg. What's yes. terrifying is when you see the tracks from the night before where they're crossing roads and you want to go, what is lurking in the shadows? Oh, mighty. Some of these oh. things are like 12, 15 yeah. feet long. You have to they're be crazy dinosaurs. to go near them. Yes. From Carla Corrado in Columbus, Ohio, we are heartened to learn Michael is writing a memoir with a working title, Bad Dad. <laughs> I hope his opening line is, it was a dark and stormy night and Tony called to tell me that Bootsy and the Hammer take them out to see the full moon. <laughs> I promised to pre-order Bad Dad for a book club, which is really a wine-drinking lachiserie-inspired, alternatively called My Wine Group Has a Book Problem or This Book Club Stinks. We promised to at least read the endorsements on the book jacket, which must say Jesus wept, and I heard this is a good book. Carla Corrado. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, so we're, we're restarting.
Yes, None of correct. that will be heard. Yep. None of that will be heard. Okay. <laughs> See you dancing in the blue twilight In a robe of soft cosmic white Primrose in the screen of light All young for beauty bright It's true Lady of the Oh, 
Love. 